and you're listening. And you're listening. You're listening to Sam and Pink. Sam and Sam. To Sam and Best Radio. All right, folks, welcome to our 11th episode of Salmon Fest Radio. I'm Dave Applin. And I'm Satchel Pundolfino. And we're recording our program here in Homer, Alaska, on the traditional and unceded lands of the Denina people. And we want to recognize our friends across the bay, across Kachemak Bay, the Supiak people. Uh, we're very excited to be here as spring is upon us and we get to uh, experience that pulse of new life that's uh, all around us. So um, let's get underway. Well, our band feature today, Dave, is Suzanne Little. She's an Alaskan artist who performs at Salmon Fest with the band Food for the Soul, but has also been a really foundational member of the organization Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay. So the music we'll feature with Suzanne Little is not actually from Food for the Soul. It's from the organization Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay and artists that have contributed to that effort. And we're going to go back to Bristol Bay for our Salmon Champion interview. We're going to talk with Nancy Morris Lyons, who is the owner-operator of Bear Trail Lodge in King Salmon. And she's going to introduce us to a very cool program called the Guide Academy, which creates opportunities for young people from the region to become part of the tourism, guide, and uh, hospitality industry in the region. All right. Let's kick things off with the Suzanne Little interview. For those of you returning listeners, you'll remember that our recordings were conducted in 2019 at Salmon Fest when we were in the middle of the throes of the pebble permit fight. That fight has uh, calmed down. It hasn't gone away completely, but the, uh, but the current situation is very different. If you want to know more, you could go back into our archives to episode four. That's the Rachel James interview. I think it was called something like the push to protect Bristol Bay or... The call to protect Bristol Bay. The call to protect Bristol Bay. And you can uh, maybe get a, a little fresher timeline there. But you'll hear it was absolutely on the minds of most people at Salmon Fest 2019, including Suzanne Little. Let's dive into her interview. Can you start by just telling me your name and your band? Yeah, my name is Suzanne Little, and uh, our band is Who for the Soul, and I'm a co-founder of Musicians United to Protect Crystal Bay. Okay, and what is that? It's an organization that's actually international. Uh, we have about a thousand performing musicians that have agreed to talk about Bristol Bay and its importance on the planet uh, at their shows when they perform. And we're hoping that you know we can harness the power of music and performing musicians and audiences that, that love them and uh, build momentum on the planet for protecting this important resource. Do you find that a lot of musicians that you talk to are eager to sort of use their platform to amplify the pebble mine issue and um, just salmon resource? I do. Yeah. Uh, I find that musicians are uh, caring people. Generally speaking, there's some exceptions, but uh, <laughs> uh, caring people who really uh, see importance in thinking about our future and generations to come. Yeah, I think that tie between sort of activism and the messages that 
a lot of people need to hear about collective power and change can really be powerful when it's told through different mediums, especially art and music. I agree. Uh, because people can listen to a song mm -hmm. and hear a message where they might shut it out in a speech. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, or you know, a piece of artwork or a poem. Yeah. You can, people can, uh, people are more open sometimes to those avenues. Yeah. And it's important. Right. So things are um, pretty dismal dismal right now with with pebble mine and sort of the rushed permitting process is there something that's giving you hope what's that you live in bristol bay no i live in anchorage okay but you've spent time there or are you yes I yeah have. and and i'm a what gives me hope is that the state repeatedly people of the state of alaska have repeatedly spoken out either when voting or other ways uh, against this mine, knowing that, you know, this is the last significant remaining wild salmon run on the planet. There used to be salmon runs this big in the Sacramento River, the Columbia River, the Fraser River, not only that, but on the Atlantic coast, on European rivers, and they're all gone. This is the last one. It's important that we save it. and working together, supporting the indigenous people in the area who have uh, spoken out and will never give up. I'm standing with the indigenous people from the Crystal Bay region who will never, ever give in. Thank you. Yeah, we need everybody to stand with people from Crystal Bay right now. Right. UTVB is doing such a great job. and. It's just United Tribes for Bristol Bay. Yes. Yeah. But it's depressing right now. It is. Well, you have been a staple of Salmon Fest for a long time. Have you been here since the beginning? or Almost the beginning, not yeah. quite. I, I think I wasn't here the first couple of years. Okay, yeah. I used to be a, a state senator and uh, actually came here. I, I served uh, the Kenai Peninsula. State Senate, and so this is this is my home home ground. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really awesome. Let's listen to some of those tunes that came together through her work at Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay. Just a little pebble skimming across the water. Just a little pebble Does it really matter? Big things start small With consequence for all Just a little Just a little mining, no danger I am told. Big plans start small, with consequence for all. 
just a corporation with greed for a religion just a corporation no conscience and no vision we must heed the call there's consequence for Bonnie Nichols with her song Little Pebble. It won first place in the Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay contest for tunes about Pebble Mine. Or tunes about Bristol Bay, rather. We're going to close out this little feature with one more song that was part of that network of artists advocating for Bristol Bay. This is a local band, the Super Saturated Sugar Strings. Source that could fuel the world and turn men to sell their 
you know. Well, they stood for millions of years. Oaks and hemlocks, maples and birch, pines and Fraser firs. The logging companies cleared it all with no prejudice, it seems. The sun dried up the soil, rain washed away fertility. cannot cut back we got to learn from our past about what's right what's a mistake old rigs in our oceans and a copper mine in bristol bay We're grooving on over to our Salmon Champion feature today, and we're excited because today we're going to feature a sport fisherman, which we haven't done before in our Salmon Fest radio episodes for no particular reason. There's many sport fishing Salmon Champions around the state, and we're excited to highlight Nancy Morris Lines today. We're going to travel back to the Bristol Bay region, where the region's Trout, salmon, and other species have attracted people from all over the world. It's truly a world-class fishery, and for decades, lodges have been providing opportunities for visiting anglers. And those lodges have primarily been staffed with people from out of state, whether that be the hospitality staff or the guides. And more than a decade ago, our salmon champion, Nancy Morris Lyons, who's the owner and operator of Bear Trail Lodge and King Salmon, and some other folks from the region came together and recognized that situation could be better, that it would be in everybody's best interest if local folks were the guides that took people onto the water to catch salmon, but more importantly, learn about the place. They created something called the Bristol Bay Guide Academy that's grown in size and scope for over a decade. And uh, as you'll learn, 
Nancy's pretty proud of this, and I think she should be. So let's go out to Bristol Bay to King Salmon and check in with Nancy. Morris Lyon and I own and operate Bear Trail Lodge out in Bristol Bay, Alaska and I have been a guide uh, slash lodge owner slash advocate for Bristol Bay for gosh 36 years this year I believe. I absolutely love where I live and I love what I do and I uh, became the head instructor at the Bristol Bay Guide Academy when we first started it uh, many, many years ago, maybe 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. And I remain in that position, although I am trying to uh, advocate for one of my past students to start uh, learning and taking over. Tragedy led me here, as and I don't ask for pity for it anymore. I was living in Anchorage at the time, and I uh, lost my brother. And he was one of those people that disappeared off the face of the earth. And I was working at a, a super high power pitch, uh, building homes and selling them in the Anchorage area during uh, a huge real estate boom in the early 80s. And I decided I needed a break. And I had often taken my clients down to go fishing on the Kenai or Homer. And instead of running my own boat, I usually would hire a guide when I had them down there to impress them and to give them a better opportunity at catching fish. And whenever I was out on the boats, we would always catch big halibut. And so the, the skippers on the boats always joked with me and said, hey, you need to come work for us. And uh, so when this happened and I lost my brother and we couldn't find him and we still have it to this day, I needed that break. And I called him up and said, hey, put your money where your mouth is. And one of them took me up on it, and I started working as a deckhand down there out of Homer. And uh, shortly thereafter, the guide operation that I used in Kenai found out that I was doing this. And he said, why don't you join me out in Bristol Bay? I'm going to start up an operation out there. And I said, well, fly me out there. I'll take a look at it. So I hopped in a plane with he and his wife back in 1984. And we flew out to Bristol Bay, and I fell in love with it the whole flight. It was in a 206, and I got to see everything, and it was a beautiful day just like today. And the rest is history. So fish, water, and I have always been one. I mean, my dad called me a fish when I was growing up, and I grew up with brothers. And he, he loved having me along with the boys, so he would take us out fishing all the time. And I have always had a deep love for fishing and found a lot of peace in doing it. For me, it's an act of the mind and soul as much as it is a physical act of actually catching. And perhaps that's what's brought me so, many, so much success over the years, both in landing fish and uh, enjoying what I'm doing. But it was the connection that I had that helped me to heal from the loss of my brother and then turned into a livelihood. You know, for me, getting out on the water, um, the, the fish are the bonus. To, to hear the sound of the water, to feel the pressure against your legs, to feel the temperature, to hear the birds sing, to smell the smell of the tundra and look up in the sky and see the eagle soar. That, to me, is fishing. That is mind and soul. That's what encompasses me when I am out in the field and brings me so much joy and peace. And I really try to share that with all of my guests at the lodge, as well as all my students at the Guide Academy. There's so much more to fishing than the act of picking up a rod and a reel and attaching something to the end of the line. 
Nancy recognized that she could provide a more authentic experience by employing folks from the region, and she wasn't alone. I was an afterthought on the Guide Academy, and I, I'm so glad I was, but it was actually created by Tim Troll and Lukey Acklecock uh, in Equoc in a steam bath, which is just the perfect story. Lukey had run a sport fishing operation on the upper Nushigak for many years, and he just saw a missing piece in our young people. Um, you know, a lot of them subsistence fish, a lot of them commercial fished. Um, all of them, you know, subsistence hunted, but the sport fishing end of it just was missing. And Tim Troll saw a need for the younger generation that was coming forward and becoming responsible for the native lands in the area, not understanding what sport fishing was about, foregoing a lot of outstanding opportunity. Me, I walked into it with my desire. I had also across the bay been wanting to start something like this for several years and did not have the methods, means, and everything that it takes to get a, an academy started. And I had not reached out to these two at all. We stumbled on each other, but my desire was because I was already involved with the youth in the area. And I felt a huge hole because I felt like they should be the ones that were on my staff as guides, taking people out, sharing the stories of the area, and giving my guests a true Alaskan experience. I really felt like us as a guide industry were falling short because we didn't have Alaskans on staff. So between the three of us, we all kind of had a little bit different perspective on it, but our paths crossed and just totally blended perfectly. And it it's turned into a very successful endeavor. I mean, we've got a lot of our students now employed in some form in the sport fishing industry, whether it's through uh, hosting at B&Bs or actually guiding in the field. We've, we've met the whole gamut, which was my goal. I didn't, and I tell students this every year too, you don't have to leave the guide academy and actually become a guide, but you need to learn about tourism and, and their expectations and serving people and sharing your knowledge. It's pretty funny that the whole first academy, you want to talk about something to coming together out of nothing. I've never taught in my life. I have my work in college was in veterinary medicine and um, Tim Troll was a land manager and Lukey Alcocock was a village elder and we were like okay what do we do well first we needed kids and we literally had Lukey and Tim and myself just basically grabbing kids off the street and saying okay you're going to come to this guide academy and we didn't know how many days it would take so we just said okay let's see what we can do in three or four days so Lukey opened up his lodge up there on the Equoc and you know, we had a pretty sorry idea of an itinerary for the for the, the whole uh, adventure, but I just started teaching. And as the kids started absorbing and getting excited about things, I just kind of followed their lead. So the, the most outstanding one was the fly tying. So, you know, obviously kids are going to yawn and get tired of listening to you yak away about the bend of a rod and the mechanics of, of casting. But when you put their hands on fly tying equipment and start explaining to them um, what the fly does, what the purpose is, and what their goal is, and turn them loose with a bunch of materials. Oh my God, it was so fun. I, I can still, I still have to laugh so hard at the thought of some of those flies that actually worked. This was an August Academy. We were targeting the silver salmon at that time, and silvers can be incredibly aggressive anyway. And Lukey's Lodge is located on the, the Nushigak in a location that's really good for silvers. So we, these kids, 
took their fresh known knowledge of casting, which was really rough because I didn't have enough assistance really to, to get us where we needed to be. And they'd take these flies that were huge football flies down to the river and they would catch fish on them. And these kids, I swear to you, they were doing backflips. They were talking so excitedly. We had to drag them off the river every night. It was it was a success. And we all agreed, okay, this isn't long enough. We need to, you know, set it up better. And that was the starting point because from there on, those kids went back to their villages and shared their excitement. And uh, we were lucky enough to be able to send everybody home with a fly rod and reel and a tying vice and their tools, which we still do today. We're still able to do that. And those kids went back to their villages and shared it with others. And then the next year we had more people interested and we still had to go and grab a few off the street. But by about year four or five, we had more um, applications than we had room at the academy so we considered that a huge success and it's it has leapt off the pages of history since and uh, it's a lot of fun (laughs) it's a lot of fun so we go from dillingham to the lake country to down here uh in the king salmon area and um each place that we go to will allow us different numbers of students but normally it's anywhere from 12 to 18 students we keep it to the basics you know of obviously teaching casting and tying, but you know what's amazing? As these years have gone by, I have more and more kids that already know how to cast a fly rod and tie a fly. And that only happened because of the academy. And it blows my mind that it we're not even a full generation into this. And we already have that being passed down so strongly that my job becomes easier and easier every year. One of the things is to, to teach them about their watersheds. So if we're over on uh, the Dillingham side, we teach about the Nushigak Mulchatna watershed. Literally by building, we'll give, we'll split the kids into teams and each team will, one will have the Mulchatna, one will have the Nushigak, one will have, you know, the lakes. And, and they'll build a watershed out of dirt and sand and dump water into it to see how the watershed works. So that, I mean, it's a hands-on experiment in the dirt, wherever we are, we can always find a patch of dirt and um, see how and why things work in a hands-on manner. Then the other thing we do too, is we talk about land stewardship and the thoughts behind it. And we do an exercise that the kids always love where we take a river and we, it's no river in particular, it's just drawn out on papers. And we give each one of them, that's their piece of land. Each one of them has a piece and they can develop it however they want as in they can put a wind farm on it, or they can put a trash dump on it, or they can put an oil field on it, or they can build a fishing lodge on it. Then we put those pieces together and show them what happens to others around them, depending on what their decisions have been with that land. So the kids really, really love that. And and they are the future stewards for Bristol Bay. And I think it's a hugely important piece of what we do at the Guide Academy. We teach responsible leadership for the future and uh, consideration for others. And I, I think that those portions are are going to manifest themselves as well in a positive future for the Bay. I think you become a better fisherman when you recognize all the pressures and powers that be on the fish themselves, whether it's atmospheric pressure, uh, the weather, uh, the water temperatures, the food that's floating down the stream and where it's coming from, all those factors lead to success the more you understand them. One of the most difficult things that I have to do at times is to explain 
Bristol Bay to people who do not have a clue. I've always got to slow down and stop myself. They don't understand that um, flying into King Salmon, they can't just find a hotel room. They don't understand that they can't just walk out on the tundra and see bears feeding at the falls. Um, or they think they need to spend five days in the hopes of seeing a bear on a stream. And I've the thing that really amazes me is I don't know how they think this place came about, but they find it very surprising about our indigenous population and how important they are to the area. In some ways, I'm offended at that, but I've learned instead of being offended to take it as an opportunity to teach people and show them how important people that came here before us are to the area and how much they can add to their experience. Nancy recognized through the Guide Academy experience and beforehand that the local guides are really the best voices to help the visitors, the visiting anglers, connect these dots. One of the things that I always bring to the Academy, because as a youth, you tend to feel deficient in your ability to deal with and cope with adults. But I teach them that that's not what they're doing. What they're doing is sharing a part of their history. They were born and raised out here. They know the story about where the wolverines go to den. They know the story about where the fish go to spawn and how often they go to spawn on the lakes and the shores of Ileana Lake when normally that doesn't happen. They know those stories and that's what people that visit Alaska come here to learn about as much as they do catching fish. And I teach them that what they have in their mind already puts them years ahead of guides coming from Montana or New York or Colorado or any one of those other places where a lot of uh, the lodge guides come from because they already know the difference between a moose and a caribou or an osprey and an eagle. Maybe that's a, a better uh, analogy, but you know, a lot of people that come up here to guide have no idea what our birds are, uh, what they do, why they're there. They'll see a, a ermine on the shore and call it a, a muskrat or who knows what. But these kids already have all that knowledge, plus the stories that go behind it from the history of the land. And that's really what people come here for. The fish are the bonus. And once they grasp that thought, which takes a few days, their energy and enthusiasm and courage um, just absolutely explode. I tell you what, there's nothing more rewarding. It sends shivers up and down my spine right now, just, just thinking about the memories from past classes. And every year it happens that way. To me, Bristol Bay speaks for itself. It has maintained its pure ability to reproduce itself forever. And, and that is so huge because you just don't see that in the world anymore. And I try to always, especially when I have guests out in the field, to make them understand that, you know, these salmon come back because they've been cared for from the generations that were here before us and that these fish feed everything that we see here today and they maintain it and keep the cycle going. And it's really amazing. I mean, somebody will say to me, well, how does that have anything to do, you know, with a moose? And you have an opportunity to explain to them exactly how the salmon affect a moose. Yeah, they may not eat the salmon, but they certainly eat the grass that has benefited from the fertilizer from the fish, you know, and on and on. But it's truly one of the, the joys that I get of being a resident here is being able to 
share that with our visitors and truly try to help them see the big picture of Bristol Bay. For Nancy, the Guide Academy is an essential piece in telling that story and something she obviously feels pretty proud of. To me, it's obviously my legacy. I, as I can't imagine ever doing anything I could be more proud of or would want my name more attached to. And, and it's because it's been so successful in, in having the graduates get out, participate, and really make a difference in their villages and in the tourism industry. This was a really inspiring interview. It's, it's great to see proactive action taken to ensure that the budding economies, the tourism industry of the anglers, remain beneficial for the local people and remain sort of in control of the local people. And the local people are the ones who get to decide how to share their place with others. And I know this was a big effort by Nancy, but, the, but so many contributors. And it's, it's such a cool project. Yeah, it is. It's like Stone Soup. You know, the idea that Luki and uh, Tim and Nancy came up with more than a decade now has really caught on. And it's, uh, it's grown over time and through help from a variety of folks, including our friend Nellie Williams with Trout Unlimited, who helped uh, develop curriculum and uh, champion the program, as well as so many others who have come out and conveyed their skills to the young people and provided those opportunities to investigate a career that could combine the best things about Bristol Bay. And Satchel, the good news is the uh, Bristol Bay Fly Fishing and Guide Academy for 2021 is now taking applicants. So if there are folks out there, if they're Bristol Bay residents or BB&C shareholders or descendants between the ages of 14 and 24, they can apply to join this group this summer. It's gonna happen August 6th through the 14th. And the best way to find out how to apply is to go to bristolbayriveracademy.org. That's all together, bristolbayriveracademy.org. Thank you, Nancy, for your time and all your good work with your partners out there in Bristol Bay. We're going to leave that interview there because we need to move over for some more music. Come on, baby, take my hand. Let's take 
just gone dancing all night long on the street, baby. Don't you wanna go? So when I eat some Mississippi, baby, grow your own. Governor's wife was showing dog on pretty baby. Tell me what's the boy to do, yeah. Flat bed, son, you better leave that city, cause the world's out now. See we get down with you. Straight in our way, you got the sound stave in your grave. Maybe slow down, son, the devil gonna catch you, baby. You better move along. Somewhere east of Appalachia, baby, grow your own. Getting burnt out on that bluegrass. Oh, your plant somewhere on our A second hand store You might find that straight and now way off You got the sign stay in your grave 
A second hand store well You might find that straight and now way low They got the sign step in your grave sell some CDs and vinyl right over here. Let's say hi. Thanks a lot. Jim Kolachek. Happy Salmon Fest, everybody. That was a song by Andrew Duhon. Next up, the T-Sisters. Would you tell me so? And if I said I was leaving to 
How about hearing a little from our friends in Seward, the Blackwater Railroad Company? Hey 
found me a job by trying to put my money away. But I got just no honest man can pay. And so I took what I had from that central trust. And I bought my two tickets on that Gulf City bus. Everything dies, baby, that same fact. Maybe everything that dies someday comes back. But it keeps getting harder to find. I down here to swindles and losers and don't you get you caught up on the wrong side of that line. I'm tired of eating off on this losing end. So I met a fella tonight, won't do a little favor for him. And to top it all off, we've got the Rainbow Girls.
That's all we've got for this episode of Salmon Fest Radio. But before we wander off into the sunset, let's thank those people that made this all possible. We've got Pastor Tim and Brian Belay for recording the tunes for our Jammin' for Salmon section. Mm-hmm. And KBBI for this fancy electronic gear and their guidance. And to our interviewees, Nancy Morris-Lyon, Suzanne Little, and myself for interviewing Suzanne. Yes, thank you, Satchel, for interviewing Suzanne. <laughs> and Cook Inlet Keeper, whose facilities we're recording from and whose love and admiration we enjoy on a daily basis. And, of course, to our Salmon Fest Festival organizing crew for shepherding the event that makes this all come together. And if you want to hear this show again, if you want to share it with your friends, you can always go to wherever you find your podcast and find Salmon Fest Radio there. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review it so other people can learn about the fun that we have. And to wrap it up, we want to thank the person who really makes this show come together, our esteemed producer, Kira Hardy. Exactly. Thank you, Kira. Right over there. Sitting right over there. Thank you, Kira. That's all, folks. Until we meet again, spawn on, on Alaska. Alaska. This is Suzanne Little with Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay, and you're listening to Salmon Press Radio. Thank you. You're welcome.